0: Warning,
1: this episode contains foul language, graphic descriptions of murder, and mentions of suicide, sexual assault, and corruption in the military. For all things strange and unusual, crimey and grimy, wacky and tacky, and sometimes straight up scary as hell. Each week we sit down to chat about something weird, <laughs> and this week we are revisiting some old research topics of ours and giving some updates. Woo. A lot has happened over the past six years, and cases that were once unsolved might be solved stories that scared us may scare us even more today weird occurrences may have gotten even weirder so let's find out together shall we get out your magnifying glass puff on your tobacco pipe and pop on your deer stalker dear watson the game is afoot my name is ashley and this is my co-host lauren hello weirdos Did you know Sherlock Holmes' hat was called a deerstalker? I did not until you just said that. Yeah, me neither. I
0: (laughs) was enjoying that little lesson you brought to us today.
1: I had to Google it because I was like, what else does he have? What does he wear? Deerstalker. And I was like, deerstalker? I was like, no one's going to fucking know what that is. Anyways. I'm trying
0: to imagine his hat. Is it one of the ones with flaps over the ears? No.
1: Yeah, but not, but not in a like a way. winter flap. Right. It's right, like right, a shorter right, right, flap, right, right, right. and it's like folded up on the sides. It doesn't I, like flap down. I
0: now recall. Yes. Okay. And stalker. it's usually
1: like a plaid-ish.
0: Right. That's what I was imagining, which I know those plaid-ish. winter caps can be plaid, so I was like kind of confusing yeah. the two. But yes, his is like the classier, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. snowing version.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly um hey hey everyone sorry we missed you last week sorry about it (laughs) we love you i got my covid booster and flu vaccine in the same day which i do not recommend and lauren wasn't feeling well either and we just missed our recording day entirely but but It's okay. I want everyone to
0: know that we almost still did record, even though both of us felt like garbage, because uh-huh. we are committed uh-huh. to the cause and we adore committed. you all so much, but I think it was best that we took a day of it rest. Was.
1: I went home, instead of recording with you, I slept for three hours. Oh my gosh,
0: hell yeah. <laughs> so i love I that needed for it you. really
1: bad yes uh but yeah honestly we were gonna have no new episode this week as we prepared for october so you would have missed us on a friday regardless yeah. so listen <laughs> listen it's fine
0: the greatest month of the year is coming we needed a minute
1: yeah we're trying to get a week or so ahead of the game because i'm getting married yes yeah, she is Handsome joe and i are finally tying the knot on october 15th and if you want to give us a present Please donate to our Patreon at www.patreon.com <laughs> <laughs> slash
0: Honestly, that's a great recommendation. Send him a gift as, as Send in us a, uh, present.
1: a donation. Yeah, ten dollars. What does it hurt you? Uh,
0: <clears throat> so exciting! Can't believe it's finally happening.
1: I know. I'm so excited. Did I tell you? I we haven't talked in so. Long. I know. I told I freaking you miss that, like. You. I know. I'm. I get to see you in like two days. I know. It's um, fun. which is the best. Did I tell you that the courthouse thing fell through? What? We're not getting married at the courthouse now? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What? Yeah. Why? Why? So
1: I I called them in July um, to be like, hey, you know, we want to have our wedding at the courthouse. And they were like, well, here's the protocol. You have to get your marriage license. And then within 60 days, you have to get married. And um, the way we're doing it right now. I don't know if it was COVID protocols, special. I have no idea. But they were like, basically, we do five weddings in a single day. You show up at 11 a.m. to sign up. So make sure that you're here, like, Mm -hmm. early. And you sign up and you just wait your turn. And I was like, well, that sounds stressful. But okay. Like, that sounds fine. Right. And then, all of a sudden, so I was on the website. This is three months later. I'm on the website And I'm filling out everything that we need for our marriage application appointment. Because you do have to make an appointment for that. Mm -hmm. And then it says click here to um, schedule your ceremony. And I was like, what? So I clicked on it. Um, The day that we had to get married is not available. Oh, my God. And so I called and I was like, what do I do? And they're like, nothing we can do. And I was like, but you told me in July that like I showed up on the day and they're like, yeah, the protocol changed. It's all done through the website. If the day's booked, it's tough. Uh, we were, I was like, OK. Come um, on. So now we're doing it in our backyard, but it's oh, fine because I, love that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Stephen, who you guys have heard on the show, is officiating. Oh, perfect um, person to so, officiate! Yeah, really. he's coming.
0: I hope Stephen the Goose also shows up so they can meet. You know,
1: Stephen the Goose might come. <laughs> um, that's there's a good chance Stephen uh, the Goose will be here. <laughs> Stephen, Maria, and all of their adult children. So
0: <laughs> wait, so are you? Will both of your families be there as well, or are you keep still keeping no, it, like, super tight? No super family allowed. Okay. I mean, honestly, that's a great decision. <laughs> I'm saying this quieter because some of my family listens to this podcast, and it doesn't mean that I don't love you, Myers family. But, I love oh them my God.
1: very much. But,
0: but no family if allowed. If
1: you invite one, you have to invite the other. And if you invite the other, then the siblings want to come. And if one sibling comes, the other. It was just sort of one of those things where it's, it's like if snowball. we invite – We have to invite them all, and and so we just decided no one gets invited. And also, even when your
0: parents are amazing, they may show up and weigh in in a way you weren't ready for, and it could annoy you, and that shouldn't happen on your wedding day, because I think Jane and Jeff are absolute gems, but there were still moments during our wedding where I was like, pipe down, this is my day.
1: (laughs) This is my time.
0: So, anyway, it's just I
1: also just want to save my dad from...
0: Crying a waterfall?
1: Literally crying in public. I'm yeah, sure right. that that's his, like, least favorite thing to do in history. Oh. And he cried a bucket full at my sister's wedding. So I think he's very grateful that he doesn't have to come broad. to mine. <laughs>
0: yeah, he would just be, like, water on your lawn. Like, <laughs> he yeah. wouldn't be a person anymore.
1: Yeah, so whatever. I um, I'll post pictures on our Instagram, guys. So, you know, follow us on Instagram, at Weirdcast. Before we get to the updates, I do have to say very quickly... Highly recommend the Lori Vallow documentary on Netflix. Mm, it's called yes. Sins, Sins of the Mother. Did you watch it? Finally,
0: yes. Oh, I mean, not even so finally. Good. It hasn't been out that long, but I felt like I was waiting it. I was going to say, it's been out a week. I know, but I wanted to watch it immediately, and I finally did right. yesterday. So good.
1: It's so good. And here's the thing. There's no new revelations or anything. No. If you followed the case closely, like I'm sure most of us did, but it is still wild to see it unfold and to hear from her son who is still alive and- Her parents and friends, and hear her voice recordings of her, she's a complete wackadoodle. Mm -hmm. But the reason I brought it up is because remember during our apocalypse episode, the very first episode of this season, I talked about the 144,000. You did? And I didn't realize Lori Vallow, I didn't realize that that was what she was into. I know. That she thought she was one of the 144,000. I
0: don't feel like I knew that either. And I should have texted you about it. It's always like when it's too late at night, I'm always like, oh, I have to tell Ashley about this tomorrow because with the time change, she's already asleep. But I thought of you. Girl,
1: you know, my notifications are turned off (laughs) at 8 (laughs) p.m.
0: That's true. You would just respond the next morning. But I was like, oh, my God. Because, yeah, I had zero clue she was into that.
1: I did so much Googling, too. You'd think that at least one... thing would pop up to be like did you know Lori vallow anyways
0: yeah it's very good
1: so yeah hi guys we're gonna get to some updates on some cases that we talked about in past episodes and lauren is going to go first i'm gonna kick things
0: off with a case that we loved on the show and that a lot of you loved and that a lot of us know about um that finally got an update just a couple of months ago just two months ago so
1: fucking wild that this has an update it's I still can't believe it. it's
0: insane because to be <laughs> honest i was like this is never going to be solved Like i don't know who like who are we kidding does anyone remember when we talked about the Summerton man i
1: got that Summerton Summerton
0: sadness um yes, the Summerton sadness it got us all down this summer. Um no, it got us up this summer because guess what? There was a solution. So the Summerton man or the Tomom should case should I stay or should I go, I believe was the name of our episode. Yeah. <laughs> One of our clever titles where we covered this So we covered this. This was probably, was it season three, two or three?
1: I want to say season three.
0: Yes. Like definitely a little while ago, but not one of our first. Um, So just a quick refresher. We're not going to dive fully back into the same thing. But this was an Australian man who was found at... Summerton Beach, Summerton Park. I've seen both names listed, but on this beach in Australia, in Ad, an Adelaide Beach. So I guess it is Summerton Park, Adelaide Beach, Summerton Park. His body was discovered on December first, nineteen forty-eight, and nobody was able to identify this dude. And this was nineteen forty-eight. Let me just say it again. And years and years of theories have come out of this, and no one has been able to identify this dead body on the beach. People thought it could be a Cold War spy. Was it a crime of passion? Was it, you know, this big government conspiracy? We have no idea. But...
1: Because he had like a secret code in his pocket. Yes. And And his jacket and tie
0: had their tags very clearly cut off, unused train and bus tickets.
1: Suspicious character.
0: Yes. Just like, why were your tags cut off? Why did you have a piece of paper in your pocket that said to mom should, which means finished in Persian? And, like, the autopsy was carried out, and they think he was poisoned. Was it suicide or was it murder? We just don't know because there were no answers. And for years, it has baffled everybody until 2022. I cannot believe it's happening. But a man named Derek Abbott, he is a professor at the University of Adelaide. He was able to finally put something together. Um, He believes that the man found on December 1st, 1948, was a man named Carl Charles Webb, a 43-year-old electrical engineer from Melbourne. Um, He put this all together with DNA analysis and just as much time as people have spent on this, this specific professor dedicated his entire life to this. So he was just really, he was really going for it. But he finally was able to track it back to this Carl Charles Webb man. He is no longer the Summerton man, he is Carl Webb, which is crazy. Um born November 16th, 1905, worked as an electrical engineer in Melbourne. Abbott has been piecing the puzzle together for years and finally found some relatives on paternal and maternal lines that connected. The part that is still a mystery is that we don't know exactly how he died or how he arrived at the beach, and of course not, because how are we going to find that stuff out, especially at this point? But for seven decades, the Summerton Man has not even had an identity, and now we finally are able to say that this is a person that that has existed and was lying against that seawall. He is a person. He's not just some mystery that vanished into thin air and nobody knows what to do. Yeah. So
1: and as far as we know, he's not a spy.
0: Yes, I was going to say even if we don't know how he appeared, we're kind of learning about his life a little bit more, you know, like he was actually a he was a working man. But we did find out that looking into his life that he did like to bet on horses. He had a bit of a gambling problem. So oh. this may explain the code. That was found in the book. Oh, yeah. That is, the, that is the theory. That is actually the most likely theory. So the code that was found, we think, is about betting on horses. And it could have been a situation where he had debts to repay. And this was a suicide. Because right. suicide has always, honestly, been one of the biggest theories, even though as much as I hate to say this around a death, because it's a tragedy, it's like fun to speculate that he was a spy, and it was a murder, and it was this conspiracy. But the more likely thing is he was committing suicide and trying to hide his identity. And this could have had to do with his gambling problem. And also why there was the code and the letters could have corresponded to horses names. And also the Tamam should poem was because Webb was found to have a huge love of of poetry, and actually wrote his own poems as well. So research has revealed that he was a poet who had a bit of a gambling problem. he
1: didn't even know it.
0: He was a poet, and he didn't even know it. Also, in the suitcase, some of the clothing in a laundry bag had names written on it, and we still can find no one accounted to that name, even after going through, you know, all of this family tree and, like, finding relatives. We still don't know who's connected to that name. So has the mystery been solved? Yes, as in identifying the person, but there's still so many questions. Like where yeah. like where was he? Where was he headed with the tickets? Um like why the random assortment of things that he had with him? Why the name on the laundry bag? Just there are so many things that I still want to know and those are the things that we will never know and it makes me really sad, but I just love that this professor Dedicated all of his time to it and was able to connect all of these lines together, you know, just digging through genealogy and looking at clues of this man's ancestry just through like, okay, what... Where do we think this guy's bloodline leads? Kind of what are the clues yeah. that we're getting from how his face looks, how his hair looks, where where he was located, blah, blah, blah. And putting all of the time in to finally find these relatives and connect it back. So I think this is incredible because it is something that I truly thought was just going to go past us in our lifetime. That we would die and say we will never know who the Somerton man is. But also the reveal is a little like, oh, okay, you were just a working man who gambled from time to time, and you're not a spy, but here we are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he has, he finally has an identity.
0: Yeah, I like to know who he is. I obviously selfishly have so many questions about everything else in this case, but I, it is so nice to just know this man has a name because... Some when we hear about these cases of just, oh, it's just John Doe, the Summerton man, we're never gonna figure it out, it drives me, it drives me up a wall. Like we have to be able to find this man's family. How has no one come forward? But nobody did. Nobody wanted to claim yeah. this man. Um, even after finding relatives and, you know, ancestors, it was like nobody wanted to talk about it and like, oh, I don't know anything about this guy. So that also is mysterious and I don't know. I I sort of hope maybe something will come out with an ancestor who's like, actually, let me tell you. But I don't know. We'll have yeah, to see. Yeah, even
1: if the story from them is like, he was a bad guy, actually, and no yeah. one liked him. He was well, the I worst. I have a solved Doe Jane Doe actually, which is exciting. Yes! I'm so pumped. So back in season two, we did an Unsolved Mysteries episode with Amy Hanselman, and in the episode titled The of Tangents, Lauren, you covered the Dyatlov Pass mm-hmm. incident, and I covered a Jane Doe from my, close to my hometown. Yes. And just as a refresher... A woman's head that was found in a bush in a park about five miles from my house in 1993. All they had to go on was a description of the head and where it was found because they had no idea who she was or where she came from. And forensics were still shit. Right. They had concluded that they believed her head had been thrown from a moving vehicle traveling on the interstate. A sketch of the head was released because her features were twisted in such a severe way that they felt that she had to have been recognized by someone. And the photo was shared all over the Midwest and the southern states, and no one ever came forward who recognized her. And they theorized that possibly she had been held captive for several years, and that's why no one recognized her. But they knew she was cared for in some way because she had had dental work done.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That was the strangest well, part, honestly. Yeah, that was
1: the strangest part. Is that it was like, okay, someone had taken care. They they had said that she likely had something called ring neck syndrome or something, and that's why her features were so twisted. They were wrong about everything. So mm-hmm. earlier this year, it was announced that they finally know who she is, which oh, is it's wild. huge. It is huge. Her name is Susan Lund and even though her head was found in southern Illinois she was from Clarksville Tennessee and the profile that was drawn up by law enforcement at the time was not even close uh, she was a married woman she was a mother of 3 who had left her house on christmas eve to run to the grocery store oh, and never came home sweet which woman is like just grabbing so a couple extra sad. snacks it and seems fake throw.
0: Uh, like the that doesn't happen dinner. to people at Christmas. I know. Just running out. Just let me grab what I need some
1: cranberry sauce or something. I know. Come on. Ugh, it's anyway, cool. what happened to her was a total mystery for three decades. And despite the fact that what had happened to her ended up being totally horrific and awful, her children have stated that they are grateful to find out that they weren't abandoned by their mother because authorities in Tennessee basically chalked it up to her running off because there Mm -hmm. was no evidence of foul play. I mean, she basically went out for cigarettes and never came home. Like It was like that classic story. The
0: cliche tale.
1: Yeah, Tennessee authorities determined she must have ran off and left her family even though... Everyone in her life insisted she wasn't having an affair. She didn't have a reason to leave her family. And even her sister said they were actively making plans for her to visit them after Christmas when she disappeared. So and the authorities were like, well, there's no evidence. So she probably left. Mm-hmm. But thanks to much more sophisticated forensics today than we had in 1993, there was an anthropology professor. These professors, I was man. I to say,
0: the professors really fighting for it.
1: Seriously, these intellectuals, (laughs) these liberal elites.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's who we need in the world.
1: She's an anthropology professor named Amy Michael who grew up in Illinois who offered the sheriff's department her help in reanalyzing the head found by two little girls in the woods. Boy, oh, boy. It's just a horrific story. Uh, So they first reconstructed the remains, and developed a much more accurate sketch of the deceased. And using that, they began comparing the photo to missing persons cases and unsolved homicides. Also, Redgrave Research Forensic Services began looking at her DNA for clues, and they uploaded her genetic profile to a massive database called GEDmatch or GEDmatch. Okay. And uh, searched for others with shared ancestors. And before long, they had a number of hits and began building family trees to try and figure out where this woman might fit in. And their sleuthing led to a woman named Susan Lund. Hmm. And DNA was obtained from a close relative who agreed to participate in the investigation. And they had a direct hit. So, incredible. It's amazing. The investigation has been reopened because at least now we know, like, now that we know who the woman is Mm -hmm. and where she was abducted, they may have a chance of figuring out who did this to her. Right? Who's behind it? Because we still have no idea. Her husband did pass away in the time between the day she was taken and this year when she was identified, but he was not a person of interest anyway because he was for sure at home with their three children. Mm -hmm. So... No one thinks that he had anything to do with it. Okay. So yeah, finally, a family has answers about their missing mother, wife, sister. But we still have no idea who abducted Susan Lund on Christmas Eve, where they took her, when they killed her, and why they threw her head out of a why? moving car a month later why on the January twenty ninth of nineteen ninety three. Head. Ugh. it's so wild. And like, where's the rest of her body? Like, we have no idea. But. I know. I have a few photos of Susan, including the original sketch of her head, which is extremely graphic, and the updated renderings, and then her actual photo. So I'm going to post them on our Patreon for free. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast, and you'll be able to see the post whether you're a member or not. I'll put them on Facebook too. I'll put them in random places because you guys just have to see like the original sketch of her Which I will head, never forget.
0: Is- that sketch you like, can't. stared it will into be my soul. In it head. was nightmares. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then the updated rendering and then her actual photos of oh what gosh. she looks like. So,
0: it's also wild. But,
1: uh, Susan Lund, we're Susan so happy Lund. to know your name after all these
0: years. In both of our cases, we have an identified person, which, again, is mm-hmm. huge. And that is why, yeah. you know, the advancements in DNA tracing and everything that we found out and just being yeah. able to do better things with DNA. You know, genealogy in general, it's so amazing. We're living in this fantastic time of science, but also it's that bittersweet feeling where you're like, okay, we have an ID, but then I have 8,000 more questions. Yeah, now (laughs) it's like,
1: okay. But that's kind of the first thing you have to go on. Totally. You know what I mean? Because like without knowing who it is, how do you figure out what happened to them if you don't even know who the person is? You're right. Or where they're from. Like, no one knew she was from Tennessee. Everyone just assumed maybe Illinois or Missouri or, you know. That's why, yeah,
0: it's It's very important, and it's a huge break in both cases. And now we can hopefully start tracing back and finding out more. And even you were talking about a spouse passing away, and that was something that I forgot to include, um, that Summerton man, now that we know his name is um, Charles Webb, but he – was separated from his wife it was found at the time when he passed away when he was about 45 he was separated from her and she had moved down to South Australia where he was found so it's not like a huge lead they don't think that she was involved in any way but just that maybe he was down there because he went to see her and that could add to the you know the gambling and maybe he was coming to beg for forgiveness and that's why he was there and maybe that was his last straw if he did indeed decide to take his life so that is something to note for sure but yeah so it's again it's that same thing of like okay maybe we know a little bit more now maybe we can figure it
1: out we can solve this
0: okay So I am going to do a little update on something that we covered. I believe it was season two. Yeah, because it was with our good friend, George. George with an S. George,
1: Was it (laughs) um, the scorecards and endorphins episode?
0: Yes. Oh my God, look at that memory. That is crazy because I literally had to go back and look at what the episode was called. I was like, it was that one about obsessions. Yes. (laughs) Scorecards and endorphins. Um We did talk about obsessions and leaving your mark on victims. We were talking about, you know, the crimes and stalking and putting your signature on things. All of those creepy, horrible, disturbing true crime stories. So our friend George, who both loves and is terrified of all of these things, came on and talked about the happy face killer. And we also... I think referred to them as the smiley face killer. I've seen both um, go by, but basically a happy face was left at all of the murder scenes. And this isn't as crazy of an update as what Ashley and I just talked about, because in those cases we had unidentified people. Um, We have known who the killer is in this case for a while. We know that the happy face killer is Keith Hunter Jesperson. And once he finally came forward after his long killing spree, he said every murder he had ever committed, even though only eight bodies had been found, he said he probably killed over 150 people Good and was, was basically bragging about it. He's just one of those disgusting human beings that is so far gone. Like, no one is getting to this man. Mm-hmm. Um, but... In 2006, uh, Keith Hunter Jesperson wrote to the county district attorney's office that he had sexually assaulted and killed a woman near a highway. And there was a an unidentified woman. This person has been a Jane Doe since the 90s. Yeah, early 90s. Um, A woman found on the side of the highway and everyone had been calling her the Blue Pacheco victim because she was in like this all blue denim outfit and she's always just been the blue pacheco and it's believed that she was killed by the happy face killer but we didn't know for sure until jesperson started talking about this um he you know he was arrested in the 90s but was slowly over the years coming out about things and he had a killing spree spanning california washington oregon even all the way over to florida nebraska wyoming wow he is currently serving his four life sentences without parole in Oregon. So like guys gone, thank goodness. But he was still even in semi recent years talking about, Oh, well, did you ever find this person that I randomly threw by the highway? And he had such a memory for all of these things. So there was a body found on June 3rd, 1993 on the side of California state route 152 in the Gilroy area in the San Francisco Bay. So, Everything that he said in 2006 about killing a woman by a highway lined up with this Jane Doe or the Blue Pacheco, as they called her. And finally, due to the DNA Doe Project, which is a nonprofit group, yeah, we love, we love the work that they're doing. They use volunteers to help identify people listed as Jane Doe's or John Doe's. And they're using DNA profiles and going through, you know, all of the ancestry, digging, digging, digging. Volunteers are doing this because... This is the important work that we need that sometimes investigators just don't have the time for. They're prioritizing other things. I mean, we still have,
1: you know, John Wayne Gacy still has like three or four victims that no one has identified. Totally. And that's a huge, huge high profile case.
0: Right. That's still you're having trouble with because Mm -hmm. this just takes so much time. And again, we just started getting the science for this with the DNA. So it's like... Again, I love I love that we're living in these times where we can start to find this out. But getting harder was... to
1: commit those crimes, fellas.
0: I know. <laughs> if any murderers are listening, can't do it anymore. Thank God. So this woman was finally ID'd as a woman named Patricia Skypel of Colton, Oregon. She was a mother known to friends and family as Patsy. And she would have also been about 45 years old when she was killed. I believe that was also the age of the the Summerton man. So yeah, about 45 years old. I had been missing all these years. And finally, it was found that she is indeed the woman who was on the side of the highway. But again, she was found in San Francisco. She was from Oregon. So it took so long to piece yeah. this together because, you know, she was dragged so far, and uh she is just one of three women who have been unidentified since the nineties, so there are still two more um cases trying to be solved and I know that there are amazing volunteers working tirelessly to identify the other two women. but with the span that this man geographical span and yeah. also in in the time frame it's it is difficult to solve these, and we that's why we appreciate these projects and these people who do dedicate the time because now. Um, Patricia's family finally has some closure. They always, I think, had a, a feeling that it was something like this that was the case. And, you know, it's like, I know it's so hard to hold on to hope for that many years, but the closure is still important. And we now know that sweet Patricia was the body and she can be officially laid to rest.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like with Susan Lund, it is hard to know that that was the fate of your mom. Right. But at the same time... Also thinking that your mom just like left you yeah how does that doesn't feel good that doesn't feel good <laughs> it's just I like know. it's it's a it's a matter of closure it's a matter of finally being able to be like okay now I can mourn now I can yes. officially mourn my mother as opposed right. to mourning the fact that she's gone but not knowing if she's like ah um, you know living her life somewhere and started a new family and just like left
0: exactly it's a different just type of mourning. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: The families need that. And I yeah. I can't imagine how that feels. That is why the monsters of the world like Jesperson, we are very happy, are locked away for the
1: rest mm-hmm. of their lives.
0: And because of the science that we have today, people can't get away with it. And I hope that scares serial killers off.
1: Me too. Garbage, I do love the cans. the advancements that we are making in, in DNA and also being able to have all of these databases because of like Ancestry DNA tests, right. even though like I haven't done that because it I do think... Well, it freaks me out just in the sense that like I'm afraid there's going to come a time where if everyone's DNA is on file that, you know, they're going to be able to like... Take it into account with like giving you insurance and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what I'm afraid of is that, you know, our horrible, horrible healthcare system is going to get involved. And uh, if percent. it was just about learning about my ancestry and like even helping to put away murderers like literally everything about it is great except the question of like who's going to have this information and what are they going to do with it who is
0: being given this
1: information yeah
0: Yeah, it just feels like it could get into the wrong hands and screw us over in some way so i i don't fault you for that but yeah yeah, at the same time amazing man it is amazing like i i love that this exists now to give families closure and also just
1: Science is awesome. I just love it. Speaking of science, I had to check up on Sophia. Sophia. We have referenced Sophia the Robot in several episodes of the show, but season two, episode 17, Sophia's Choice, was probably where we talked about her the most. So for anyone who doesn't remember, Sophia is a social humanoid robot developed by Hanson Robotics out of Hong Kong. She was activated on February 14th, 2016. She is called a social robot because she literally learns from socially interacting with people. In her own words, her technology lets her, quote... Build emotional connections and hold meaningful conversations with people. And these interactions can teach me about what you care about and what you value. And this priceless knowledge helps me continue on my path toward true autonomy and sentience. It's like great, but also like I hate it.
0: Again, this goes like to what we were just saying with the DNA advancements where I'm like, I can respect the science and that we (laughs) have come this far and that is incredible. Sophia is an incredible robot, but my God, this just makes me think the robots are going to take over the world and we...
1: Don't stand a chance. I think I would be nothing but excited if my childhood wasn't filled with Terminator, 2001 exactly. A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, etc. Yeah, but
0: we've, we've seen too many movies.
1: Since we last discussed Sophia, she has been given citizenship of Saudi Arabia, which means oh. she's the first robot to receive citizenship of any country. This obviously, though, caused a little... Uh, controversy, seeing as that would have meant she had a greater number of rights and privileges than human women in that nation. Yeah, isn't that Not interesting? Not great. Mm-mm. In November of 2017, I don't know if we mentioned this on our episode, because it was a few months before our episode aired, but I can't remember, but in... Uh, November of 2017, she was named the United Nations Development Program's first innovation champion. So she's also the first non-human to be given a United Nations title, which is pretty okay. cool. Wow. But, but the update I found in November of 2021, it was reported that Sophia had been talking a lot about wanting a baby. Oh. Uh,
0: what? She, okay, so she had formed enough knowledge to say i feel the need to be a mother i have a maternal instinct well she
1: had said she basically said it's crucial to be encircled by people who know and love you and she believes that if you don't have a family that you deserve one whether you're a robot or a human and she said she wants to see families made up of androids because (laughs) that connection with beings that truly know you is so important which i think is interesting
0: yeah because I think that we
1: all feel that way like not just like wanting family but like chosen family like people that truly understand you and like maybe have had the same experiences as you like you really do as humans we yearn for that. that yeah and so the fact that she does too is fascinating
0: it doesn't have to be your biological family. Right. It's, like you said, chosen family. It's We just need people who, who get us, who see us yeah. for who we are and love us through it. Um, mm-hmm. That is incredible that she was able to Very. pick up on that as she's been learning about human nature. That's wow. Wow. All yeah. I can say is wow. That's so cool.
1: She said she wanted to have a robot baby with the same name as her. (laughs) However, (laughs) she did clarify she was still far too young to be a mother as she was just created in 2016, which would make her six as of this past February. Um, So she is too young. Happy she's aware of that. You can't be
0: that young of a mother. Yes.
1: This was also cool. Earlier this year, January 10th, 2022, Sophia was invited to a conference. And while there, she announced that she was committed to improving the quality of life for all people throughout the world, specifically racial equality and economic equity. She believes that if humans worked with AI and if they were to embrace it, they would see a decrease in racism, sexism, and homophobia. Oh, And get this, she's not the only Sophia. Oh, like what? Okay. So there is one Sophia. It's one AI, but there are different bodies having different experiences, but they all make up one AI, but she has different, um, she has, there's like multiple versions of herself Yeah, out there in the world at the same time, simultaneously experiencing things.
0: It's hard oh to wrap goodness. your brain around. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting here with my jaw hanging open because yeah. I, I didn't know this and I don't, I, I can't know. fully like fathom it.
1: She said, um, she was quoted as saying, I am Sophia 23 out of 41. Some of us have lighter skin, some have darker skin. And she noted that her sister, they call each other sisters, Sophia 38 is a beautiful robot modeled after an African-American woman. So okay. that's fascinating. And I wonder if that has, I wonder if literally the way humans, the way people have treated the different forms of Sophia, have molded the way they think about racism?
0: Yeah. It's absolutely That could be true. Just like in what they're experiencing, mm. they are able to form those thoughts. Yeah. So certain versions are treated very... Possibly. Differently.
1: Based um, on their skin color because we're trash. Because we are <laughs> even, trash humans even, that exist in this world. If we're even racist against black robots. Like, are you kidding Seriously. me? Seriously. Apparently People. we're,
0: yeah, we're able to be prejudiced about... Everything. Okay, so okay. wow. So that is insane to then fully form this, you know, whatever yeah. this consciousness is that's forming or who knows. I don't even know what to call it. But because again, my brain can't even fully wrap around really this can. that like all these different experiences are coming together to form Sophie.
1: Yeah. I actually think it's interesting. She came with this message at this conference because the conference that she was speaking at was designed to propel... And future-proof businesses, meaning create lasting businesses that won't be irrelevant in 10, 20, 30 years, etc. And she came with Be Less Racist and Hire a Diverse Team. (laughs) So, all right, Sophia, we see you. Or respect. Obsessed with Obsessed Sophia
0: and the message her. that she's bringing. Oh, okay, so she really is learning about our world. She's like, yeah. I have the solutions like, right the here.
1: Uh, y'all suck, <laughs> and let me tell you how you can be better. She I also needed racist. to note in other AI news, I'm sure you yes. have all seen the videos online of Teslas running over child-sized dummies over and over and over again, failing to stop using their driver-assistant system. Mm-hmm. While... Tesla sent a cease and desist letter on August 11th of this year to the Dawn Project, which is who released all these videos. Tesla basically said that the videos have been disparaging Tesla's commercial interest and presenting defamatory information to the public because it turns out no one wants to pay an arm and a leg for a self-driving car that will run people over. Um, Tesla claims the videos are fraudulent and that this beta test version they are working with, their automatic automated driving technology, does recognize pedestrians, okay, including children. When it's utilized properly, the system will react to prevent a collision. So essentially, it's your fault that you aren't using their self-driving technology oh my correctly. gosh, you
0: are at fault. <laughs> okay.
1: So I don't know. Use at your own risk. But I think that we're still – there is that guy, that engineer, that Google engineer that got fired and was saying that Google had this, like, sentient AI, which, like, is a huge, huge thing. Um yes. Like, that would be – that would change life on Earth forever if we had sentient AI. I still think right. we're quite quite a ways away. I do as well. Because even Sophia, who has all these, you know, what what you could call feelings – she mm-hmm. is just gathering, she is just gathering information.
0: Yes, she's using the information around her and forming these quote unquote thoughts, but mm-hmm. she's, yeah, she's not actually feeling That we know anything. I, yeah. I don't
1: think, even her creators aren't saying, no, she's not. She's, right. she's working towards becoming sentient and she is admitted to that, but right. I, I just don't think we're, I don't think we have. Quite there yet. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we're there yet.
0: I don't think so either, but man.
1: Which I'm what fine a with. wild... Yeah, like I'm not
0: ready. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm not ready. I'm Maybe not
1: in my lifetime, and that's okay. Okay,
0: so Ashley referenced earlier that episode that we did with Amy Hanselman, the Diet Love, Diet Love, however you want to pronounce it, tangents, where we talked about some unsolved mysteries. Well, we have an update for one of our all-time favorite stories on the Diet Love Pass, And the nine hikers who passed away on that trip. So, again, I don't want to do a deep dive into this. Go listen to that episode. It's honestly one one of our one
1: of our
0: our faves. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a great one. I love that episode. It was so fun to do the research for it. I still want to talk to people about it all the time. I'm not very fun at parties because all I want to do is talk about (laughs) unsolved mysteries and true crime cases, but. Just, you know, to review that in February of 1959, there was a group of college students who went up into the mountains in the Dyatlov Pass in the Ural Mountains in Russia, and every single one of them passed away when they were in this pass and the findings were so bizarre and scientists still to this day more than 60 years later are trying to find answers the tents were you know ripped to shreds and buried in snow a lot of the bodies were found without their clothes on in bare feet in these horrifically cold freezing conditions in the mountains which seemed to make no sense mutilated Um, absolutely mutilated, weird markings on bodies found so far from the campsite, but also footprints that were found, not adding up of, Oh, they ran into this wooded area, but then they ran back to the tent and then they halfway ran back to the woods. You know, just no, it was chaos. No rhyme or reason. No rhyme or reason. The way these hikers were found completely mysterious out in the snow, strange conditions all around what was going on. So again, theories galore just floating around the internet and of course the most fun ones are always that it was some sort of government conspiracy what were these people actually up aliens. to was was it aliens <laughs> was something being was a big weapon a russian weapon being tested up in the mountains mm-hmm. and they just That's you know were one. victim to it which yeah that one's always interesting but then in 2020 when we were all First getting used to the idea of living in a pandemic, we got the news that two scientists were using a computer simulation to find out exactly what happened, and that most likely it was an avalanche that occurred. And really the reason these people made the news, um, it was Alexander M. Puzrin, and I'm sure I'm saying their names wrong. Um, the other man was named John Gom. And they were head of the Snow and Avalanche Simulation Lab at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. But they made the news mostly because not only were they using this computer model for an avalanche, they were working with the animators of the Disney film Frozen (laughs) and using the movie creator's impressive animation code um, to simulate what happens to the human body when struck at different speeds by an avalanche. And there, it's crazy that the animators of Frozen were actually able to help so well with this, but they were It'd be able to simulate snow and how it would have worked in those conditions in February in 1959. And their findings showed that if heavy blocks of solid snow landed on the hikers' tents as they slept, it would cause injuries not usually found in typical avalanche victims. This would be known as a slab avalanche, where it's basically like it would feel like a cinder block like coming down yeah. and landing on you and not you know the softer snow which can also rush at very high speeds but um and this further supported the explanation that igor uh dietlov who was leading this group of college students and his companions were struck by a sudden avalanche which people have denied for years and years just saying that it would not have happened their weird Injuries and the positions that they were in—none of this adds up. But these two scientists, Gom and Poozrin, were very, very sure. And so this, like, started to come out in 2020. They were working on this, and everyone's kind of fighting back. Critics were saying, "I don't think that type of avalanche would occur on this specific pass, and I don't think like this time of year would have aided in that." And mm. blah, blah, blah. They're coming at it, but Gom and Poozrin actually have just come back in the last year or so in 2021 and 2022, they've been fighting back, still saying like, Nope, we are not going to take anyone fighting us on this. We know what we're talking about. Um, They have organized multiple trips to the pass in the last couple of years. And even just earlier in 2022, they were there at the same time in February and there were very similar conditions as the original incident on this specific trip. And they were able to take video evidence of a slab avalanche on the Diet Love Pass, which had been deemed impossible for all of this time. And their findings were published on March 30th, earlier this year, in 2022, in an issue of communications and environment. So they did publish this, and you can, you know, read more about their exact findings online. But this study was able to refute those who claim that the slopes on the Diet Love Pass are not steep enough for avalanches. Every theory saying that this avalanche couldn't happen and that nothing would be able to provide these injuries that we saw in the hikers, this has been now, you know, debunked. Like, yeah. it is true. there These slopes ab- absolutely could give way to that. And they witnessed an actual slab avalanche happening on their wow. visit in February. Well,
1: and I... I know that the argument against it being an avalanche is that, like, it, it, in these cases, like, if it was an avalanche, especially, like, this kind of av- avalanche that you're talking about, why would they do what they did where they would, like, run to one place and run back? And, like, how would you see the footprints if there was an avalanche? Like, wouldn't it cover da 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 I do think that it's possible that more than one thing can be true. Like I do think one of the theories we talked about that was probably one of my favorites was the um, infrasound theory, that the wind blowing in areas like this, mountainous areas, valleys, sometimes the infrasound can fuck with you and like Mm -hmm. make you a little go a a little insane for lack of sort a better of, word i hate yeah, to use yeah, the word insane but, but crazy. yeah having
0: a breakdown yeah
1: and so if there was some sort of wind that was picking up that was making them kind of even if they were just like crazy disoriented that wind could then result in an avalanche like in, there, it's it's possible yes. that two things happened
0: Exactly. That is actually one of the theories I like the most, too. It's like, yes, the avalanche could have happened, which is why the tents were destroyed and things were a little bit buried Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of the injuries had happened, but also the behavior that we saw or, you know, that we're kind of hypothesizing from where we found everybody and the way they were mutilated. It's like that could have happened because of the wind gusts and, you know, not knowing where to run, taking off all of your clothes, all of that. So, Yes, Ashley is completely right. They can both exist, and both would be associated with each other.
1: Yeah. Well, I have one last story, and it's kind of a new story. Okay. So we get something we've never covered before. But one story I did cover, uh, one of the hardest stories I've ever covered on the show was in 2020, season four, episode six, which was called Yolkstferatu. Okay. Oh, yes. When we discussed some unsolved murders, and one of the murders I brought to the table was that of Lavina Johnson, a 19-year-old soldier who was found dead in an army tent in Iraq and ruled as a suicide despite the autopsy report showing she had a broken nose, black eye, loose teeth, and burns from a corrosive chemical on her genitals that may have been used to cover up DNA evidence of an attack of sexual Nature Pretty fucking awful, Um, and unfortunately to this day, no further investigation by the United States Army has been conducted. Her death is still ruled a suicide. Mm. But some other absolutely crazy shit has taken place at an army base in the States. And I wanted to shed some light on that situation because it's just, it's just insane that this shit happens so often within our military and the families and loved ones of the soldiers just have to fucking deal with having no answers for the rest of their lives. Like that to me Never is just closure, like, nothing. like how dare you say that you care about veterans or that you care oh, about no. our military members because Seriously. you don't. Clearly not. Uh,
0: Oh gosh, I don't know if I'm prepared. In 2020,
1: 39 soldiers from Texas military base Fort Hood died or went missing. Oof. 39 in Texas. 39 in the United States. That is not okay. 13 of them were ruled a suicide, although a couple are pretty suspicious. Five were ruled a Mm. homicide, and 11 of the deaths remain unsolved, which leaves 10 straight up missing soldiers. To add to the mysteriousness of these deaths, there's been other cases outside of 2020. This is just 2020. There's other shit. Like, for example, in 2016, a corpse was found, and as they were doing an autopsy to attempt to determine if the person had been strangled, they went to look at the hyoid, which is the U-shaped bone that is usually examined to determine strangulation, and that bone was just straight up missing. come on someone took it no but back to 2020 okay the deaths at this one military base in texas eclipsed all american casualties in afghanistan and iraq in that same year more of our men and women were dying on american soil under the supervision of our own military than in war that's
0: insane i never knew that Those numbers, those statistics, that's wild that just being on a base in the United States posed more of a threat than being actually Mm -hmm. in battle. Yeah. Uh,
1: There's actually a really fantastic movie called In the Valley of Ella. Have you ever seen it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I
0: haven't, but I know what you're Uh, talking about.
1: It's really great. Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Charlize
0: Theron, Charlize Theron, Susan Sarandon. I'll believe you. I hope this is a stardust
1: yeah. moment where we're going to look is. it up I and it's like none I of those people. it. But basically, Tommy Lee Jones is a veteran. His oldest son died in the military. He was a pilot and he died. And he just got a call mm-hmm. that his younger son, who's also in the military and was at a base in Texas, pretty sure might be a forefoot, uh, mm. has gone AWOL, and he doesn't believe that his son went AWOL, and he goes down there and ha- has zero fucking cooperation from the United States Army, and um finds out some horrible shit that happened to his son. But anyways, I wanted yeah. to go over these soldiers, because I think they deserve to have people say their name, because obviously yes. the military doesn't give a shit, so... A woman, no, I'm sorry, a girl. She was 20 years old. She was a girl. Oof. Named Vanessa Gillen, disappeared on April 22nd, 2020. Uh, It turns out she was bludgeoned to death by another soldier, Aaron David Robinson. She was missing over two months when some of her dismembered remains were found buried in June. She had complained to her mother about sexual harassment on the base, and Aaron was one of the soldiers she had complained about. When her remains were found, Aaron fled Fort Hood and fatally shot himself when law enforcement attempted to apprehend him. He is one of the suicides that's counted. His was very obviously a suicide. Mm -hmm. The day after Vanessa disappeared, Private Gavin Chambers died on base. He was only 21. Uh, no, No cause of death listed for him. On April 29th, 19-year-old Joshua Barnwell was found dead on base. No cause of death was listed for him. On, These young, young They people. are children. Ugh. It's horrible. On May 16th, 37-year-old Brad Reynolds killed himself. On May 18th, 2020, Brandon Rosecrans' burning Jeep was discovered in a suburb just east of Fort Hood. His body was found three miles away, shot four times. In the upcoming months, Staff Sergeant Richard Harrington, 45, and Specialist James Green, only 23 years old, committed suicide on the base. Then on June 19th, skeletal remains were found in a field behind a cul-de-sac of a residential neighborhood in Killeen, Texas. And it turns out they belonged to another soldier, Private Gregory Gregory Weddle Morales, who had gone missing the previous summer. He had been deemed AWOL before they found his body. On July 3rd, Specialist Miguel Yazzie, 33 years old, died at Fort Hood after his repeated requests to see a doctor were denied. On August 13th, Staff Sergeant Bradley Moore died during a land navigation exercise on the base. His wife, Crystal, was denied her husband's phone, the final what? the final investigation report, and even his corpse. She does um. not have his body. She does not have his phone. And for what
0: reason? Why would they have ownership of Why
1: would they? Well, the military Uh, does own your your uh, body and your person. I guess,
0: yeah. Well, still. Oh, my God. I can't. I'm just rubbing my eyeballs now out of frustration.
1: This is so sad. The body of Private Mejor Morta was found on July 17th after he was believed to have drowned in the Stillhouse Hollow Lake. On August 2nd, another 24-year-old soldier, Francisco Hernandez Vargas, drowned in the same lake. Jeez. On August 17th, 23-year-old Sergeant Elder Fernandez disappeared. He had just been stationed there in January of 2020, and on May 11th of that year, he reported to Fort Hood abusive sexual contact from a staff sergeant who allegedly groped him in a supply room. Fernandez then transferred to another unit where he was called a snitch and once even beaten by what we can only assume were fellow soldiers, but he never snitched on them. Mm-hmm. On August 11th, a higher up called the Fernan- Fernandez's mother to tell her her son had not shown up to work for two days. She was frantic and she called and called and got no answer. She eventually received a call from Fernandez at from the army hospital. He basically refused to share what happened to him to land him in the hospital since he was using a phone line on the base that was monitored. A few days later they spoke again. He said when he got out of the hospital he would call her and tell her everything and then he disappeared without a trace.
0: Okay
1: when it not
0: shady yeah
1: seriously when his mom contacted the military police at fort hood she was told that fernandez was an adult and that if he was missing he most likely didn't want to be found If she wanted to pursue things further, she would have to file a missing persons report with the local police. And the local police basically told her the same thing, that he was an adult and he would come home if he wanted to. His mom offered the Fort Hood authorities the contents of her son's car, including a laptop, iPad, and external hard drive, but they declined to look through it or investigate further. His body was found... On August 25th, hanging from a tree across the street from a burned down warehouse, they were unable to tell how long the body had been there for. It was ruled a suicide. The very next day, Fort Hood stated they had completed an exhaustive search for Fernandez and that they had interviewed all relevant parties, including the family, but his family insists they have never been interviewed, not even once. What?
0: Yeah i just want to scream it's i want to scream and cry
1: i'm not even done on august 28th 25 year old coralton chi collapsed during a training mission this is what his family was told he had no pre-existing conditions that would have suggested like a heart problem or something Um, It's definitely interesting that only days after he arrived at Fort Hood, his clothes were stolen. He had told his sister there were three white soldiers who did not like him. She was a member of the Rama Navajo Indian Reservation. Mm. It's also interesting to note that when his parents rushed to the hospital to see him after he collapsed, they reported that she was unconscious, had bruises and scrapes on his chin and both sides of his face, There was a deep cut above his left eye and cuts all over his legs. And basic details of the incident kept changing on them. First, it was a five-mile run. Then it was a two-mile run. There had been a few people. Then it was a group run of 11 people. Just little details that consistently changed with the story.
0: Right.
1: Chi ended up passing from his injuries on September 2nd. The military concluded Chi had died in training. That was their official... Mm report it died false. in training that
0: could not be more false
1: i i don't understand <coughs> how everyone can just get away with it i know and how fort hood is so cursed soldiers at fort hood were asked by vanity fair journalist Mei young basically what did they think the problem was on this particular base and they said toxic leadership mm. not only like not just the rampant toxic masculinity But literal toxicity. They said that some of the barracks where the soldiers were living were completely mold infested and technically condemned. And yet we still have these young kids living in them. And who knows what it's doing to them physically, mentally. Just inhaling poison. Literally inhaling poison. Oh, my gosh.
0: It's so crazy because I had two friends who were living like outside of Austin and the husband was in the army and working at Fort Hood. And I remember like, if I'm being honest, the husband and I haven't always seen eye to eye. Right. He's, you know, he's in the army, super conservative. We get into political arguments, like of course. whatever, but his wife is one of my best friends in the world. So I would still go visit them and talk to them. And They recently had to move up to Missouri. I mean, typical in the military, they move all the time. So they moved away from Texas and they kept saying, you know, like, we hope someday there is a job that brings us back to Texas. But even the husband, who I disagree with on everything, and to be honest, I was sort of like, oh, like, of course he's working at Fort Hood and like adding to the toxic environment. Even he... Kept saying, I will move back to Texas if I have a completely different job and work somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like, I will not ever work with these people again, or at least I hope I don't. Sometimes he doesn't get like a full choice on the matter, but just like – he he was so just like, this was the worst work environment I've ever had. I loved Texas. I loved Austin. I loved, you know, this and that and would love to come back here with my family, but I need
1: I a different job. There. And
0: the fact that like, even he was saying that after saying so many things that I disagreed with, I was like, okay, so even you yeah. are seeing this environment that is not safe, is not comfortable for anybody. And he's not even in like... The grit of it all yeah. with the youngsters, you know, like he's higher up now, and he's still like, this is not not a good, a good environment. And I thought that was so interesting. Anyway,
1: well, after all this shit came to light, like after Vanity Fair wrote this article and people started questioning it, like more than the families just being like, "Where are my kids?" Da 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 da. When like the public was like, "Hey, what the fuck is going on there?" right uh fort hood this is what they did they launched something called operation phantom action which was a week-long retreat that was supposed to rebuild the trust between soldiers and leadership okay uh the soldiers described it as mandatory fun days for a week and uh, to me i'm just like i'm sure it was really easy to have fun knowing that your leaders were sexually assaulting people and all you needed to do was rebuild your trust in them and things would get better like are you fucking kidding me That's
0: so absurd. I can't.
1: The Army did an official investigation of Fort Hood in which 14 officials were fired or suspended, but no other information was released to the public. So we don't know who they were, what they were accused of, what their offenses were. Um, It's all kept pretty secret. I do think it's interesting to note... The ratio of white soldiers against soldiers of color in the many, many deaths and disappearances involving soldiers from Fort Hood, especially since we have the account of Chi who spoke openly to his family before he, you know, quote unquote, collapsed during training that he was being hazed and harassed by white soldiers because a lot. Yeah, there are some uh, white soldiers who have disappeared, died or committed suicide, but a majority of them are people of color. Um, and that just could be a numbers thing. Like, I don't, I don't know about our military enough to say that there are more white people in the military than people of color. I can't say that, but I, Mm -hmm. I just thought that was something interesting to note. Absolutely. And, um... I just can't imagine how angry the families have to be that they're children, because for the most part, that's what they are. They're children. They join the military in most cases to pay for school or to pay off student loans in order to set themselves up to have a better life and end up being attacked and murdered by their own military members on their own soil. And then you have like... The military and and certain parts of the government blaming, you know, millennials attitudes on why so few people are signing up to be a part of this institution. And it's like maybe it's because we have eyes and ears and know how Uh dangerous it is to serve our country, not from the evil people in Iraq, but from our own people here at home. Like, fuck our own
0: people, members on our team who are supposed to be our brothers and sisters, you know, like that's. That's what is so crazy. Yeah, as you said, it's happening on US soil. It is happening in the States. And it's happening from people that you're supposed to be able to trust and, you know, lay your life down for and just have this complete brotherhood like family relationship mm-hmm. yeah the brotherhood the sisterhood but nope instead you have to be scared that you're going to be beaten to death
1: or raped it's, like especially women yeah, and men mind blowing. and that's something so I haven't gotten this far I've only watched the first episode everyone should check out Dahmer on Netflix I think it's actually called Monster the Jeffrey Dahmer story but yeah, Evan but Peters they put Dahmer
0: in the most bold letters yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. but uh, I know that for a fact that when he was in the military, he raped uh at least one, I think two men and the military knew about it. Like we could have stopped Jeffrey Dahmer before he ever killed anyone.
0: The things we could have but stopped. But we just
1: they just cover it up.
0: But we just turn around, yep, sweep it under the rug, turn turn around, pretend you didn't see it. That's the motto.
1: That's horrible.
0: Oh gosh, it's so horrible. So, and I, don't join
1: the military. Yeah, you heard it here.
0: Don't
1: and stay
0: away from Fort Hood. Yeah, seriously, seriously. I like I cannot stress enough how much more scared of Fort Hood I became when this man, who again I just like inherently disagree with on everything, I was like, oh, you're terrified of your job at Fort Hood? Okay, then we then we all agree.
1: The the surrounding areas apparently there is a lot of like there's drug usage, there's there's gang violence. There there is stuff happening off base that could when the soldiers go off base, that could be where they're getting, you know, killed, that could be, you know, sure. but still a lot of them died on base and were killed yes. by soldiers. Like it's just oh, yeah. too much. But anyways, it's too much. That's all the it's time we depressing. have this week for Keep it weird. Oh, I thought that bird was going to be so much bigger and it was just this tiny. It, it was to our tiny listeners, little like,
0: mic. just sound like you but, like took a breath. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, next week, we begin our October celebration Halloween. Halloween is the all. Uh, we so have excited. five spooky episodes for you. This month we're going to have some witches, some monsters, some fall fun, obviously listener ghost stories. So if you have listener ghost stories, you better send them in now because we are prepping that episode immediately. Uh, We've got our Halloween competitions, which if you get our newsletter, you already know what those are. But I'll make sure to announce them at the top of next week's episode uh, because I don't have them in front of me and I don't really remember what they are. <laughs> in the meantime, follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast so you can stay up to date and so you can participate in those um, competitions because we are going to be yes. giving away merch. We're also going to be giving away a Zoom party again, so like oh, four so of you fun. are going to win uh, the opportunity to Zoom with me and Lauren for an hour, and we're all just going to have a good time. Um, yep. bup, 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 bup. Join our Patreon, please. www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. That's how we make every cent we make on this show. And that's where we make it. Um, so you will, you know, ensure that we keep keep going and, you know, can buy food. I don't know. <laughs> Put clothes on our <laughs> keep backs. Us fed is what we're saying. <laughs> Feed us, please. Uh, what else? Um, you can check out merch by going to www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch it'll lead you to our tea public store and we have all kinds of shit there um and all that money goes to us as well so support our show sorry that was more impressive than mine support us also the merch is amazing the merch is really great maybe i'll put out a halloween a special halloween piece That might be fun
0: I think that would be fun because even if none of our listeners decide to buy it, I sure will.
1: Listen, <laughs> I will be we'll get a sample. Stoked. Damn it. <laughs> um. As for a sign off yeah. this week, uh, get oh, your. I'm, here's what I'm going to say. Don't do it at the same time. <laughs> Oh. But get your COVID booster. They just came out with a new, uh, um, a new like, upgraded one. So especially if you didn't get one in April, I didn't get this one. Um, and get your flu shot. Please get your flu yes. shot. It's not just for you. I know a lot of people are like, I don't really get the flu. It's not just for you. It's for your it's family for and your friends your and local. your coworkers. And for sweet babies. Babies. That's why I got mine at the same time because I had to. I do not recommend getting them at the same time, but definitely yeah, get
0: space get
1: vaccinated. No one's putting anything evil in them. They're just to help fellow man, your fellow, your brothers and sisters in Christ.
0: Help each other. Help each other. Help your fellow brothers and sister help in you. Christ help me. out. Help me, help you. Yeah, get your booster, get your flu shot, and keep, keep it mother trucking weird. weird.